Welcome back to the Evolution Show. I'm your host, Johan Landgren. In the previous episode, I talked to a world-leading expert on how we can turn electric vehicles into giant batteries for our homes and offices. The so-called vehicle-to-grid technology. Today, I'm going to talk about sustainable traveling and how we can travel without flying. I invited Sophie Gripenberg. Sophie has a long experience traveling across five continents and recently she did a journey all the way from Stockholm, Sweden to Beijing in China, almost completely by train. Sophie has a lot of ideas on sustainability, covering everything from how we can consume and travel in a sustainable way to how we can build a sustainable closet and transform the fashion industry. In the next episode, I'll share some of my experience as a full-time investor. I will take a closer look at three of my favorite investments right now. I'll also tell you how investing in Tesla back in 2011 changed my life. I hope you liked the conversation. And if you do, don't forget, give us a thumbs up and consider subscribing. Now, let's get going with the conversation today about sustainable traveling here on the Evolution Show. Welcome to the Evolution Show, Sophie Gripenberg. Thank you. Uh, you were on the show not so long ago and then we talked about sustainable fashion, but today we're going to talk about sustainable travel because you're a frequent traveler and you have been, yeah, you've been across five continents, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and you work with issues related to sustainability. It's your real passion. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, giving inspiration um, from your journeys and uh, how you can connect this to sustainability to, to learn how to travel in a more sustainable way to have some inspiration and of course travel as uh, close as fossil free as we can and uh, one of the things we're going to talk about of course is your really interesting journey traveling all the way from Stockholm Sweden to Beijing in China and mostly I think you did that by train actually so that's uh, instead of flying you did and you chose that as a conscious choice to, to not travel by, 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 by a plane. So that's going to be really interesting to hear about that. But first, you can perhaps tell us a little bit for people who don't know you, a little bit about your background. Yes, so I've been, well, I, I started to travel already when I was 19 years old. And it actually was one of my first travels. I came across a lot of the social injustice and poverty question that would later on lead me to the doing a doing a bachelor degree in peace and development studies. And when I did that, I also did a study in economics. And I was studying um, agroforestry in Kenya, and I was studying international migration in, in Indonesia. And uh, later on, I will do my master's at the Stockholm Resilience Center in Socio-Ecological Resilience for Sustainable Development. So for me, it's always been a transdisciplinary approach with both the social questions, the economic ones, and also the environmental ones. And I've been actually working a lot in the humanitarian sector, uh, coordinating a lot of the sustainability work at the Swedish Red Cross. 
uh, but I have been engaged in a lot of projects on the side related to sustainable hotels or sustainable businesses. And uh, I'm the founder of the platform, A Sustainable Closet, to increase the usage of secondhand clothes and uh, yeah, redefine fashion for a more sustainable one. Yeah. Most people, when they think about travel, they don't think about uh, you know, not going by plane. But you have shown and you have learned. I mean, of course, you have uh, traveled a lot by plane. But uh, as the years gone by and you learn more about our climate crisis, you have consciously looked for alternatives. So could you perhaps tell us of some of these alternatives and your thinking around how you can travel without going by plane? Yeah, I think so. I think when we talk about sustainable travels, of course, sustainability is not always the climate impact. Uh, there's a lot of social aspects related to sustainable tourism and sustainable traveling. For example, what kind of hotel you're staying at, one, what kind of local uh, companies are you supporting? Are you somehow participating in anything called like land grabbing? Uh, are you, for example, choosing ecotourism? So sustainable travel is way broader than just the carbon emissions from flying. Uh, but of course, I think it's important that even if I'm working with the climate change more on an organizational level, uh, I still wanted to look at my private and, and individual carbon footprint and see in what areas can I change. Uh, like um, I, I'm a big fan of plant-based diet. I'm a big fan of secondhand and sustainable fashion. But of course, I thought the traveling part was very difficult because it's one choice, but it has a huge climate impact. And I wanted to see what kind of travels can I do without flying. And instead of being black or white, saying that, well, I'm not going to fly at all, I was consciously choosing to exchange many of my travels step by step. Because I think that's what a lot of people are sometimes a little bit scared of when they start to measuring the carbon footprint and look on in what areas they're making a huge impact, is that they think they have to go to zero immediately, but you can do it step by step. And I think that's a way more inspiring way to do it as well. So I've been having challenges for like weekend travels or being exchanging some of my long-term flights to maybe maybe train in Europe and also be having like um, staying on the ground challenges. So like how many days in a road can, can I live without flying? So like, yeah, challenging myself with a little bit of those few concepts to, 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 yeah, to find better ways to travel. And I think it's my approach uh, from what I've heard is that a lot of people get very inspired they don't feel that they don't feel the guilt they don't feel that they're blamed off they feel like okay so i did this flight during the summer with my children because we really want to go to spain and there was a short period of time but they feel encouraged to maybe this fall we will do go somewhere in sweden instead and just by starting to take it uh, step by step and that's been my journey as well and that's my thinking as well that you can try to support the local travel as much as possible you can see that because of the pandemic of course now in sweden that you know, the local tourism is uh, flourishing in Sweden uh, and it's fantastic. And we should do that on a regular basis, not just because of this situation. We should explore the local area as much as possible because uh, we miss a lot uh, in the Nordic countries or in other parts of the world. So, yeah. I have a good example of that. This weekend, uh, me and my fiance took the bus to a park, national park outside Stockholm called Tyresta National Park, where there's it's a beautiful, uh, like really old forest. It's, and it, when you're there, it's also reminds you of why it's so important 
to like restore biodiversity and restore forests and also get more engaged in the topic in Sweden. And we walked on a hike for two days and then we, our end station, we could take a bus back to Stockholm. So it was a really good example of like, you're not adventure, but it's very close to home, but it feels so far away, which is amazing. There's many good trials and national parks in Sweden as well. Yeah. I thought we, we moved on, should move on straight to, you know, the real, you know, um, you know, popcorn, <laughs> so to speak. For me, it's, it's, you know, I think most people would like to know, Swedes and others, how did you actually go to China from Sweden? Um, because I don't want to miss that part. Uh, I know you, you have a, a meeting. So let's focus on that um, and we can move on to other examples after that. So uh, could you tell us, you were actually, you, went, you decided to go from Stockholm and all the way to Beijing. Could you tell us a little bit about, of course, the journey and how you thought about going, yeah, going through with all this uh, really exciting journey? Not only Beijing, we went all the way to Hong Kong, to China as well. So it was uh, quite far. Um, well, I really wanted to go back to Asia. I've, I've been in Asia a lot and I love Asia and Southeast Asia and India. Uh, but I felt like I didn't just want to flew there back and forth because we had like three weeks of holiday. And normally if I go to Asia, I try to stay for several months. Um, but so so I want to go back and I haven't seen Russia and haven't seen China. And uh, one of my dreams was to do the Trans-Siberian train. Uh, so I, it was already on my bucket list and been that for many, many years. And I felt like three weeks should be possible to get to China with that time and still be able to see a little bit of what's on the way. So I had it in my mind and, and we kind of organized and, and started to plan it three months ahead. But it would take another month or two before we really handed in our passports. Uh, so my first advice would be if you're planning to do this kind of trip where it's very important you have the right visas, you have the right documents and everything, uh, you should do that way ahead, like at least two months to make sure you get the right papers and documents because it requires some planning. You can't just spontaneously decide when to enter China or enter Russia. You have to know ahead which days. Um, and we decided to go by ferry to Tallinn, which you might, I mean, that could be, you could go, for example, to North Sweden, then to Finland and from Helsinki, you know, this, this, you can definitely go by land. But we had a friend in Tallinn and we wanted to save some time. So we decided to go by ferry and uh, we stayed there for two or three days. And I will highly recommend Tallinn for everyone who hasn't been there. It's, it's also amazing how such a beautiful town is so close to Stockholm. Um, and then we took the night train to Moscow. So it's, uh, I think it was like 16 or 17 hours where they will also check the borders. Very convenient. It's so easy to travel by train. And when you enter Moscow and you have this like very grand, like amazing capital, which just looks so big when you come from Tallinn. Um, yeah, it gives you some, some per different perspective when you come by train and you can see how the landscape is changing and the city is becoming bigger and bigger. And we stay in Moscow for probably three days until we, we went on the Trans-Siberian train, which what I know, the old train, it's a Chinese old train, leaves every uh, Tuesday. So you, but you have to book ahead because it can be fully booked. And I mean, speaking of sustainability, to travel with the, the Trans-Siberian train is not cheap. Uh, so that, that could also be an aspect that a lot of people can't afford it. I think we probably paid 8,000 or 9,000 Swedish crowns when we booked our train. 
so um, if you if you're a little bit ahead, you might be cheaper. But yeah, to cap to go with that train the whole way, you can't compare it with flying. It's way more expensive. And did you have to? Sorry, I just want to ask you: Did you have to? I mean, you have to pay extra, of course, for the food or bring your food. Uh, uh, you know, additional to that cost, you it's not in, no food included in that price. Exactly, no food is included, and uh, but they have like um, a boiling machine with hot water, so you can, for example, bring noodles. So it doesn't have you doesn't have to eat on the restaurant all the time. So you can like bring your own food and do because both me and my fiance are vegans. We only eat plant based food. So we were planning a lot ahead too, because we didn't know what will be available. Like we actually, we were a little bit skeptical about Russia and China having plant-based food, but throughout our journey, I think the best plant-based food I ever eaten was in China. I was highly surprised by the really, really, really good vegetarian and vegan food it's what that was there. Um, and you can go on and off the train along the way if you want to. Uh, since we think that the Russian landscape is a little bit similar to the Scandinavian and we were more curious about China and we had didn't have much time, we decided to go all the way to Beijing in one row. But it was a very meditative experience, like three days on a train, you get very calm, you talk, you play cards and you read books and, and just that train ride, I, I, I'm, I want to do it again. It was actually beautiful. It was. That's what I mean also when you book this kind of trip. It's not just a mood of transport. It's a traveling per se to go with that train. And it, it also crosses Mongolia. So you have to have the right papers on the Mongolia border as well. And there's different visas for that if you're going off and staying there for several days or if you're just passing through. Um, but we didn't decide to stay in Mongolia mainly because we didn't have much time, but it was also very, very hot. It was we were traveling in July, so it was 40, 45 degrees and uh, almost 50. And we were quite happy that we didn't stay in Mongolia during that time. So and it's the same way with Trans-Siberian in Russia. If you go in the winter, it can be so cold that you don't even want to go outside the train. So you have to plan a little bit your stops also according to what time of the year you're going. So and then, of course, in the, it takes some time to cross the border in Mongolia and China there. They're, changing the stuff, they're doing fast controls. So you need a lot of patience with that. I think it took about six or seven hours. Um, and it, local currency is very good. So you can buy water along the way. Uh, but when you come to China and to the train station and there's plenty of people everywhere, you just get super excited. And it's absolutely amazing to feel that. When, when we came to Hong Kong after like 10 or 11 days of uh, um, traveling by train in China, it was an amazing experience to think that we actually went there by land. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing to see that. Oh my gosh, I can travel in this far by train. Uh, really, and and uh, how many days did it uh, take from from Stockholm to to Beijing? I mean, since we stopped, I mean, you can do the night ferry to Tallinn, and then you go by night train to Moscow, and I think the train to Beijing is like six. So I mean, you could probably do it for six or uh, like seven or eight days. Um, but our whole trip with uh, with a little bit of uh, train hiking in uh, in China was three weeks in total. And that was, I mean, during that time it was perfect. We got to see all the like highlights. The, the Chinese wall, uh, we were actually staying three nights in Beijing. I thought it was very interesting. 
it's a beautiful place and the many historical sites to see. We went to Xi'an to see the famous Terracotta army. We went to Chengdu, which is a very popular for its green tea and panda sanctuaries. And um, yeah, it's a very like old, beautiful area. And then we went south to Guyana, some of the most beautiful rivers that you can also see in the Chinese currency. And then to Hong Kong and had uh, two days there. So it, uh, I would, if people are thinking about Russia and China, I would probably spend more time in China. Uh, but if you have like five weeks or two months, it, it can be very interesting to, to jump up and like explore some of the Russian cities as well. For many people that hear this, they might think that, you know, six days of traveling on a train or, I mean, traveling that long uh, is kind of challenging. But for as I see it, and I think you your experience with this is that, uh, you know, the journey becomes, uh, you know, a bigger part of the experience, so to speak, of, your, of, your, of the whole thing. So, so you can do stuff, you can explore stuff during your, your traveling from A to B, so to speak. Uh, what's your thinking around this? Yeah, I mean, the, on the train, for example, when we were on the train, we had the Chinese family next to us and a Russian family next to us. So it was like during those days and we, we couldn't speak to each other, but we got to know each other anyway. You know, you can sit with people not speaking your language, but when you spend so much time closer to each other, you get to know people, which is truly amazing. And also with the train, you can book your private place if you don't want to share uh, with others. And I think that's also some considering that it can definitely be worth it if you're more like a private person, you don't want any strangers to sleep, you know, next to you. Um, and 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 also you meet we met an, an it, it, a guy from Italy who used to study in Sweden and we were in Mongolia and we were sitting in the train talking philosophy. So you have these amazing meetings and this been happening to me several times in Europe as well. Uh, I, I was taking train to Switzerland last summer to do a meditation retreat. So I was taking the train there and the train back. And it was the same thing there. Like I, I met, a, I think it was from Japan, like a Japanese meditation master, you know, <laughs> was sitting next to me. Um, so a part of the journey is that you meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. And my experience is that it's also a lot of local people. Like there was a lot of local people on this train and in Europe as well. There's a lot of local people in, on the train. So you don't only meet like maybe the business people flying there back and forth and don't want to talk to you. You kind of meet locals wondering like, who are you? Where, where are you from? And what are you doing here? I would, yeah, I just want to, want to mention something I thought about right now is, is that there's a push right now and globally it has started a little bit in Sweden that, you know, the no fly um, movement, you could call it. Uh, and a lot of people who are not aware of this and sometimes even the people in the movement uh, they should work a little bit, that's my idea, uh, suggestion to kind of promote what you're doing now or we're talking about that show the alternatives because it's one thing to say that stop flying and, and I, I have personally stopped flying since five years back. I did this commitment because of the climate crisis but it's not easy step for many to take and especially because we all want to explore and I still want to explore and go places so we need to talk about the alternatives when we talk about stop flying because we're not we're not going to stop exploring or stop meeting people. We're, we're looking for a, an alternative that it's sustainable. So that that's that's sort of the idea behind this interview. I, I thought that talk about that. You know, inspire. Be, be clear about the challenges. Be clear that we need to stop flying in a 
much more um, than we do today. You know, we have to limit the flying as, until we find alternatives, but we can still explore and we can still go, go places. So what do you think about this movement? Do you have any ideas to, to say about that? Mm. Yeah, but I, I think it's also like important to remember we, that some people can't, I mean, we did this trip and we paid way more to get there compared to flying. But for me, it was worth it because it was a part of the travel for me. It wasn't just getting from A to B to A or A to B. It was it was a part of journey. But I think in some cases, people might not be able to afford it. And, and I think that's really important to talk about because I think a lot of people do want to maybe see South Europe go somewhere abroad and they might not have a like a job where they can work from the computer you know not everybody has that kind of job and they might not have a job where they can easily pay three times as much for a train ticket but i think the challenge there is that you don't have to go all the way like from the start maybe you can find one way without flying and then you fly back but at least like starting somewhere and even if you have we're going on that trip which had a high carbon impact maybe your next trip will be somewhere locally in Sweden, you know? So like finding ways to challenge yourself to see, and, and I think it's important to ask yourself, what do you want from travels? Because it, when I say like, you can explore Sweden, but for me, I don't on, only travel because I love being outside in the nature or hiking. I travel because I do want to sit there local next to a person, which language I don't understand. And I want to see like more of the Buddhist culture. I want to see more of the Hindu culture. And I can't do that in the same way in Sweden. So I think it's important to remember like, why are we traveling and see if I can get that fulfillment in a more sustainable way. But I think each and every one has to define what that means. Some people might be able to focus a lot on the carbon emissions and go completely climate neutral and don't fly at all. And for some people, it might be reduced. Uh, climate impact but they might focus more on the social aspects and how can i make sure i actually stay in places and support local communities for example uh, so it's a privilege to be able to talk about these things it's a privilege to be able to, to make these conversations but um i think my experience is that people a lot of think of people think it's very very tricky they have heard that traveling by train in europe is impossible you can't book one ticket here but I was actually supposed to go to Brussels and visit my sister, uh, but then the Corona crisis happened. And I find, uh, I went to, I was supposed to go to Malmö, stay with a friend's place. And then I found a ticket that was being made for, during 12 hours from Copenhagen to Brussels and just one exchange for less than, I think, 800 crowns. So like, if you know which um, tr train operators goes in each and different countries, you can find very cheap tickets. And when this crisis happened and I hadn't booked uh, with any security or insurance or anything, they still gave me uh, like a voucher so I can go from that trip again somewhere in the future, which was like amazingly good support actually. And I was very surprised about that. And, and there's also very cheap bus routes. I've been going to Paris for 200 crowns by bus. And it was also a wonderful experience and uh, wonderful thing to do you know and it's the france has a beautiful landscape so uh, and i think it's a good time during these travels also that you can give your time so by yourself just reflecting writing a journal listening to all those podcasts you never have time to listen to read that book you're thinking about oh i never i should read more like the the time of traveling on a train can give you so much time to focus on yourself uh, which is uh, it's a really nice win-win, you know? Yeah. 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, I would just like to mention for people who are interested uh, that you can look at another episode I did before with uh, the CEO of a startup that is actually developing, you know, an electric plane, a commercial electric plane. It won't be available until 2025, but for people interested, you can check that out. Um, they're actually coming up, they've come a long way and they want to commercialize this 2025 and it's going to be like 400 kilometers uh, per trip uh, initially. But that's still, you know, you, it would be possible with that to go down perhaps to Germany uh, but, you know, with a stop between or something, depending on where you are, and then you can charge the plane and go another way. So that's uh, uh, that's an interesting development. So there are coming things that in the future, and it's not. I mean, twenty twenty five, of course, it's uh, it's not going to be planes everywhere from from twenty twenty five, but it's 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 coming. You know, so we should be optimistic about this also. I would like to also to say that I think a lot of people might be a little bit skeptical about traveling with train because they think they have experience of the train of being there in time in Sweden, you know, they might have a bad experience being fully booked. But that's not my experience with trains abroad. Like in China, they have these fast bullet trains, which is like highly convenient, super good air condition. You can go very quickly from city to city. It's very, very organized. It's very, very clean. I've been taking the train in Thailand, uh, I've been traveling by train in India, I've been traveling, uh, I think a lot of people might think that the standards are lower than Sweden, but I actually think many of the times it's the other way around. The standards of train operators and train travels in many countries are higher than Sweden. And if you go by, for example, first class in India, you, it's quite, still quite cheap, you know, if you compare the prices to Sweden. Uh, it's, it's super convenient. Um, so I think that's also something to challenge yourself to. And, and it could be a nice uh, goal. Like if you really want to explore Japan, you can actually go there without uh, flying. You can take the ferry from uh, China. I've read about people doing that. Um, and there's also many places in Southeast Asia where you can go by ferry between the islands and there's uh, trains in Vietnam has I've been traveling by train through the whole Vietnam and it's also very convenient so and the night train is a good way to save time as well so you go by the night you sleep and the next day you're up again great great if you would like to kind of summarize this if you think about giving advice for example for a family that would like to go somewhere uh, by train uh, what, what should you think about in terms of packing or other other kind of practical advice do you have anything to, to say there yeah, I think, you, first of all, when you d decide a route, don't be like too optimistic of what you can see and do during a short period of time, because also train can take some energy from you. And sometimes you maybe it's better to stop, uh, spend a day in a hotel and just rest. Uh, but of course, you can't uh, always trust us. There's Wi-Fi everywhere and uh, it depends on the country you're, you're in. But to download a good Google Maps or like a map app that you can download so you can easily know where you are and have to navigate yourself. If you go to countries like China, you won't be able to Google bookings and hotels, so it could be do good to have a look at where to eat and sleep ahead. Especially if you travel by train and you might arrive late and you're very hungry, it's actually sometimes worth it to do some research of good food places, particularly in my case since I can't eat everything, you know. Um, but also download podcasts because you might not have a good reception or anything. And if you have them on the phone, you can still listening, listen to them. Don't pack too many books. People normally think that they will read three or four books, like one book is enough. 
if you finish it and you don't want to use read a book on iPad, you, you will find something to buy along the way. That, that's much, that's much, much better. And uh, you can't trust that there will be good snacks on the trains or the buses. So that's always good to bring some extra like bars or nuts or uh, fruit or snacks. Um, I mean, in most cases, in most countries I've been traveling to, the, there's a lot of sugary things, in, uh, like unhealthy chips. But to have your own things of uh, yeah, nuts, carrots, and things that makes your mood a little bit more stable uh, could be a really good advice. And I don't know, I don't have children myself, so I can't give the best advices for family. But I, I read about family, it's sometimes good to maybe go to a park somewhere when the kids can run around and you can play a little bit more physically. And I think that has to do with grown-ups as well, like make sure you move uh, between your route and between your travels. And uh, just don't you see it as going from A to B. See it as you're exploring things along the way. Maybe cities and town you never thought about would be very interesting. And so suddenly you're there and you're like, oh my God, I didn't... I didn't know this beautiful city existed. It's very nice. Great summary, Sophie. Uh, uh, could you tell us a bit, tell us perhaps on some of your ongoing projects? You're involved in a lot of things. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Um, I didn't mention from the beginning, but you're working at the Red Cross currently, but you are you also run your own homepage. You, you're working with sustainable fashion. Is there something you would like to mention before we finish? Well, when it comes to, trial, to travels, we're planning to do a hiking in north parts of Sweden for 10 days. So we're going to take the night train up and the night train back, which is going to be amazing. Uh, I'm currently developing a sustainable closet. It's going to be more like a magazine with looks books and uh, have just started uh, what a sustainable closet is going to be in the future. But in a sustainable closet, I do a lot of things like you. I have several interviews with very interesting and amazing people sharing perspectives on sustainability and fashion and uh, there's going to be a studio as well with more visual material and more conversation like this uh, around that subject so uh, yeah those are the things i think i want to share for now yeah. yeah great sounds promising really and i will definitely check it out when you you're up and running with that uh, but thank you sophie that was uh, i think uh, we summarized a lot of interesting things and especially going these long journeys that people perhaps don't expect you can do. It, it is possible. It's just a matter of thinking outside the box and being, as you said, open-minded and, and making the trip, you know, more of a, I mean, I, yeah, a really central part of, of your experience. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to share this. I get a lot of questions about it. So I hope people watch this and yeah, I think we, with creativity, we can change and do things in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Sophie. Thanks for watching The Evolution Show. In the next episode, I'll tell you how I became a full-time investor by investing in disruptive technologies. I'll take a closer look at three of my biggest positions right now. Ainride, Neonode and Tesla. I bought my first shares in Tesla back in 2011. Three years later, I took delivery of one of the first Tesla Model S in Sweden. If you have questions you want me to cover when I look at these three companies, please provide them in the comments below and I'll try to answer them. As always, if you like the show, give us a thumbs up and consider subscribing. I hope to see you next week.